0: For more information on our product line, visit FullyLoadedChew.com. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast, where you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight, because here we go. What's up, all you fine folks out there in podcast land? This is, in fact, the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast, and I am your host, John Hudspeth. I want to continue to introduce myself because we have just so many more people joining the show every week. Um, I'm getting more and more messages and stuff on Instagram and Facebook and everything, so I got to be sure to introduce myself just because I know we have a lot of new listeners. If you're one of those listeners, thank you and welcome Welcome to the show. That's about all there is to it. Uh, My throat is a little scratchy this week. Uh, We did a, like I've been talking about for a few weeks, we did a a controlled burn over the weekend and I inhaled quite a bit of smoke and so my throat and my eyes are still a little scratchy. Uh, I'm a-okay, no lung damage or anything like that. Uh, I'll tell a few stories here in a second that'll catch you up to why I have a scratchy throat because of the burns, but Uh, But yeah, welcome to the show this week. Uh, we got an awesome guest. we got Branson Shelton coming up here in just a little bit, uh, but a few things to catch you guys up on before we get into that. Uh, Namely, as I was just talking about, uh, my brother and a good friend of mine and uh, even my wife helped out a little bit. uh, We did a controlled burn over the weekend and um, the previous weekend before that I was up there doing some dozer work, um, did a little bit of fire prep. Mostly I was just doing some clearing for some bedding areas and stuff like that. Uh, my brother actually had the idea of doing this burn because we've been we'd been wanting to do it for a few years. It just never really happened. Um, but uh, we got our dozer back a few weeks ago, old 1971 John Deere dozer. I've told you guys about quite a bit now. Um, so I did a little bit of prep work, and then kind of our main plan was uh, my brother was going to turn the cows out uh, in this area where we were going to burn, kind of let them graze it down. Uh, we also got like two inches of rain uh, on Monday. So really, we had well, our concern was that we weren't going to be able to get it to burn. That was kind of the concern going into it. Uh, so like I said, we had done some you know prep work, not a ton, because we really weren't sure we were going to get anything to burn. Uh, So we get out there, we get ready. Uh, My buddy Kelly was there to help us out and he brought his drone to get some cool shots. Uh, Then my brother and I, like I said, and uh, my brother had some of his kids back there. So just a whole lot of fun, a whole lot of craziness. So anyway, we get up over there, we start doing a little bit of lighting and we realize very quickly that this stuff is going to burn way better than we thought um i had checked the county or checked online we didn't have a burn ban in the county or anything like that uh my brother had talked to the the local volunteer fire department and everything like that so we were in the clear to burn uh so we start lighting starts burning and uh And we were like, again, we realized very quickly that we're in for kind of a day here. And so, uh, so I jump on the dozer, cut a little bit more fire line, uh, you know, just so we can control it and everything, uh, pretty quickly off the bat, the fire jumps the fire line. And so luckily again, we had the dozer right there. We're able to put it out. And so my brother and I are kind of looking at each other like, hey, this is going to be a much bigger deal than we thought. Uh, And again, you know, out in western Oklahoma and west Texas, there's a bunch of wildfires going on. And we did not want that to happen on this property, so... Uh so yeah, I talked to my brother. I was like, hey, I'll handle the dozer, you handle the drip torch, and we're gonna tackle this thing together. So uh so yeah, I, I jump on the dozer, start heading north, uh cutting some fire line. Though the wind was much stronger also than they had predicted, and uh we were hoping for more of a southeast wind. Uh it was really man, it was all over the place, honestly. It was blowing pretty hard to east. Uh, a couple times it kind of turned like northeast, a couple times it turned southeast. Um, And so we were trying to burn along our fire line just to give us a nice wider area uh, before we went and lit like a big fire. Turns out we never even needed to light the big fire to the east to burn up because it backburned so well that it eventually just kind of got over to the east where we needed it anyway. Uh, So anyway, so I'm like, I'm dozing north. My brother calls me. He's like, hey, you need to come south. It's you know burning further south than we want. So, ran the dozer back over there, down this steep hill, and everything. Cut it off there, and uh, and then the wind picks up a little more. And I was like, hey, I was like, I need to get out in front of this thing, or this fire's gonna gonna get ahead of us. And so I go back to the north, and I'm cutting a, a trail across there, and uh, and I'm just kind of watching the flame. And I was like, hey, uh, if we're not careful, this fire's gonna turn this corner in our fire line and get the wind behind it and really start ripping. And so luckily my brother made the decision to go get ahead of it and start a backfire. And, uh, and we're really glad he did, but I mean, it worked out perfectly. He, you know, started on the fire line, it burnt back. The other fire kind of turned a corner in the fire lane, uh, you know, picked up some steam, but they ended up meeting. So that was okay. And, uh, and then he was like, Hey, uh, you might need to head East when you get a chance. And so I headed East and cut a, cut a line along a road there. And so, like, my goal going into this weekend, I had two little draws I was hoping to burn, and I was like, man, if we get a chance, maybe we'll burn up on top. Uh, We didn't think that would burn much because the cows were in there grazing, but they, basically, the cows kind of took out the good stuff and left a lot of, like, the kind of more dead native uh, grasses that, you know, burn really well. Uh, So that burnt way better. Uh, So yeah, when all was said and done, uh, I measured out on Onyx about 33 acres. So, you know, that's kind of a satellite view. So somewhere between 50 and 55 acres is what we ended up getting burnt. I was hoping to get like 10 to 15. uh, So we by far exceeded my expectations. Um, Most of this was kind of centered around the saddle that we've talked about a lot on this podcast. And so we basically burnt... The whole north ridge and bowl of the north end of the saddle, we built both or burnt both hilltops. Um, I I accidentally cut the fire line basically just perfectly. So on the second hill, like the western hill of the saddle, um, my fire line basically follows the top of that hill and then curves around the ridge to the left. Um, And so over that second hill where I can't see, did not burn, which kind of worked out perfectly. And then we also burnt all the way, uh, the big draw to the South, all the way down to the Creek, um, on the Western side of the draw, we burnt a little further South, which is basically perfect because my stand is going to be on the East side. And then, uh, so on, and on, the North Ridge, I had, um, I had dozed in a little bedding area kind of on the Western side of that draw. And so, you know, like, again, my stand is on the East, so I'm wanting deer to move through, you know, north and south through the saddle, but I prefer them to kind of do it on the western side, and I think that's exactly what we accomplished. And so, uh, yeah, we burnt the north ridge, the top, the southern draw, and kind of a little eastern ridge. And so, again, like 50, 50 to 55 acres out of the like 170 ish of the back area. So overall, a huge success. Um, you know, it, we got a little western there for a second, no doubt about that. But the fire was never out of control. Uh, you know, we kind of learned our lesson early on, and after that, I started doing you know much bigger meteor uh, fire lines. And then my brother did a fantastic job of kind of going along, burning right along the edge, and letting it burn off of it. Uh, so we were able to burn a pretty big area very safely. Um, it, I mean, it timed out perfectly right about seven o'clock, kind of as the sun was going down. Uh, we had the entire perimeter burned. The inside just kind of backburned and slowly, uh, you know, burn itself out. Uh, you know, went and checked on it that evening and the next day never got out of the fire break or anything like that. So overall, absolutely mission accomplished. So I, guys, I I know I've been saying it the last like two weeks, but I just cannot wait for this fall because like, I didn't think we were going to burn anything. And now we burnt 50 acres. Um, I thought I was going to, I was, I thought I was going to be lucky to chainsaw in like two bedding areas. I got to doze in like four or five of them and, uh, got some sweet drone footage of the burn and everything. I got my new blinds in, I'm just set. Like I, I'm so, so, so excited. Uh my big challenge now is going to be getting all my blinds and stuff set up before my baby comes this summer. Because once the baby comes and really, you know, a few weeks before that, I'm not gonna probably get to be out at the ranch very often. So uh, I'm gonna have to bite the bullet and buy some of these super expensive four by fours right now. Luckily I've picked up some other scrap lumber for braces and stuff, but I'm gonna buy brand new treated four by fours for the post bases. Um and yeah, so my blinds will be set up. Uh probably gonna move one feeder um and and the fence and everything, the hog fence. Um and that's gonna be pretty much it. You know, later on this summer and stuff, we'll we'll mess with the food plots. I would like to plant at least one spring plot here in the next month or so, maybe two. Um, but for the most part, guys, I'm I am just miles and miles ahead of where I thought I would be going into this fall. So very, very excited for this fall um man switching gears real quick this coming weekend is the uh, total archery challenge of broken bow planning to head out there hopefully i'm going to meet some of you guys out there uh i'm I hopefully i'm going to meet this week's guests uh that i just interviewed and i've had a couple other people reach out to me and say they were going to be there so hopefully more of you guys are going to be there i got some burning done Man, uh, we're already 10 minutes into this thing, and uh, I feel like I just got started. but so yeah, I'm gonna be quiet. I think I think that's enough for the intro this week. We got a great episode. This is probably one of the most like random BS type episodes I've done, uh, but I've uh, followed Branson on Instagram for a few weeks now and just really interested with what he has going on. He seems to be like your total outdoorsman. Uh, I mean, he has bird dogs big deer hunter uh he talks about how he's recently getting into into coon hunting uh so he's just kind of a do-it-all type guy and so we we talk shed hunting we talk shed dogs um we talk you know his photography stuff we talk deer hunting uh we talk about burns uh he's he's got a burn planning up or coming up we had just talked about uh my burn that we did this last weekend so we just cover all kinds of things so i think you guys are going to enjoy this one i sure did and so, yeah, without further ado, here's this week's episode with Branson Shelton. I hope you guys enjoy it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show today. And today I got Branson Shelton on the phone. How you doing, Branson?
1: I'm doing pretty good, John. How about yourself,
0: man? Oh, not too bad. We've had some crazy weather the last couple of days. Um, but actually, <laughs> I came in today and uh, I was freezing and my poor pregnant wife had turned the air down to sixty-two, and so if you hear some noise in the background, that's the heater running because uh, I was freezing. I got a sweatshirt on and everything. No so, oh, man, um, but uh, part of it, part of it, our uh, our little girls. Oh uh, yeah, you better.
1: Yeah. So you better just be cold. If, if it's, exactly. She's hot. Exactly.
0: Yeah, I keep telling her how hard this pregnancy has been on me and she doesn't believe me. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh Well, cool. Well, before we uh before we get started here, branson why don't you just tell everybody a little bit about uh who you are, what you do and all that good stuff?
1: Uh, my name is Branson Shelton. Uh, I live down here in the southeast corner of Oklahoma. Uh, I tell everybody I'm in the corner of uh, the Kiamishi and the Washita Mountains. That's what I like to call home. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to, man, I'm just an all-around outdoorsman. Mm-hmm. I try to do it all and be the best that I can be in all of it, mm-hmm. and whether it's deer hunting, bird hunting, or trapping, or coon hunting now. I've gotten into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, i do a little bit of writing i try to take pictures and just try to just try to make what i'm doing um appealing mm-hmm. to everybody because uh i feel like as hunters we're always having to justify our lifestyle mm-hmm. against people who do not share in that same lifestyle so yeah trying to do that in the best way that i can yep yep
0: and uh, luckily, we don't have to mess that too much here in Oklahoma, but man, you just hear more and more about things going on in other states and I'm sure it's only a matter manner of time mm-hmm. until a matter of time until it you know knocking on our front door too. so it's good to be ahead of it oh yeah Mm -hmm. well cool man well it's nice when i have somebody on that uh does a little bit of everything because that means we get to talk a little bit about everything so uh (laughs) i got a few little notes here topics but we'll just kind of see where this takes us but uh the first thing i want to talk about is uh shed dogs and shed hunting it's kind of that time of year right now Mm -hmm. and i've talked about it several times on this show that i am the world's worst shed hunter (laughs) and so uh i know you got a a dog you run around with and so uh i'd love to hear some stuff just about you know how you trained your dog what it's like shedding with a dog and then maybe a few things you've learned that you could tell you know non-dog guys that you've learned from the dog you know places to look and that type of thing so uh so yeah if you're ready Mm -hmm. take off
1: yeah so i i have two dogs uh both of them are my my main thing, but they're pretty dang versatile i do a bit of everything with them including shed hunting and i've gotten to really enjoy it i used to be a awful shed hunter i think i went through most of my early hunting years not finding any hardly to i mean i'm finding several now finding some matching sets and having a lot of fun with it um these dang bird dogs that i have uh they're just kind a of natural retrieve to them uh, I had one of them just bring me a shed out of the blue what the heck you know it's pretty awesome i've heard stories of people's dogs doing that before uh n- nothing that i've ever had but uh so I thought, well, you know, I'm gonna train the sucker to to do it, and just kind of started. Did a lot of reading, was researching online, and kind of started working with them. And now having two, I cover a lot of ground during the off season, and like I said, finding a lot more. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's time where bird season's over, deer season's over, in between season. Uh, I just needed something else to do, and it's a fun way to get outside and work these. Continue to work these dogs, but uh, you know, like I said, I went forever really without finding a shed, and when I did find them, it was just luck. You know, being in the right place at the right time. But uh, a lot of people see these shed dogs; they think that they're. Uh, if you find a dog in shed, like so you walk a 40-acre patch. And you're just going to find every set of horns that's mm-hmm. in there, you know, that, unfortunately, that's not the case. Uh, I think just uh, because these dogs, they um, they still go off a lot of sight. And man, like I can be looking at a shed with my own eyes, and I, I can call my dog over and make them really work the area, and it'll take them about 10 to 15 minutes at times to find in and hone in on it. But mm-hmm. once they see it. I mean, if they, they stepped on it and bring it up, and they got the, one of my last sheds I actually found here at home, uh, they pulled out of the water, and I thought mm-hmm. that was pretty awesome. I was mm-hmm. proud of that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a lot of fun, mm-hmm. a lot of fun working on
0: Now, um, when you take you
1: got, uh, oh, sorry. They are German wire hair pointers. Too. Mm-hmm. My, my, dog, was just gonna say, my dogs are German wire hair pointers. Mm-hmm.
0: Awesome. Awesome awesome now when, when you take them out somewhere you know 40 acres like you mentioned or a bigger place um are you just kind of walking like you're going for a hike or are you kind of yourself going trying to go to like thicker areas and look for them and you know looking yourself or you just kind of walk along and let the dogs do the work for you
1: um i'm definitely i feel like i'm doing most of the work mm-hmm. uh i mean there i got them out there if i do miss any, hope i'm hoping that they can find them um uh, but definitely not just a leisure walk or leisure <laughs> hike. That's for sure. I definitely hit that thick stuff uh, around here. We got undercuts. Uh, I like to walk edges. I like to walk edges. Of- I try to. F- I also I walk a lot of uh, creek bottoms.
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, just all this stuff. But a lot of times you'll find some deadheads from some dude that uh, some folks have crippled up, mm-hmm. uh, and that's always a neat find. You know, the I think my dogs have found more deadheads than they have antlers this year so uh, and it's it's interesting to do uh with Dawson I think it, it definitely it makes me a better hunter I've just noticed you know I try to keep detailed know what's the very, very things that I do and now like hunting fishing or whatever uh, and I just started noticing that where I was at in location to bedding and food when they started bringing me a couple more antlers and the ones that I was finding now I, i'm able to key in on the spot and kind of look at it off of on x or another map and kind of do out like hey I, I should be able to find some sheds in this area even if i hadn't hunted it and not knowing what it is but <laughs> so it definitely made me better mm-hmm. gotcha
0: do y'all find most of them on like food areas or do you find more of them in bed areas
1: I find most of mine in food areas. That, that late season uh, grocery for them—that's where I'm going to find the majority of my antlers. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I, you know, I got a pasture out in front of my house and uh, got had a lot of winter wheat come up, so then it was hitting it pretty hard. And man, there's just a pile of them out there. Cause mm-hmm. That was uh, where they all kind of congregating at, at the end of season. Uh, then uh, out there, like when I go off on the public ground hunting a bunch of clear cuts you know it's they got all kinds of nutrition coming up for them just about all season long so there's almost always going to be something for them to hit in those places Uh, that's what i like to key in on because around here it's not the western oklahoma hunting Mm -hmm. or like the midwest hunting style that you see on tv about where you can pick out specific bedding areas Mm -hmm. because essentially around here just about everywhere that you hunt is a bedding area it's pretty thick i mean we got a lot of uh, pine plantations Mm -hmm. and they'll just all of that's going to be bedding for them Mm
0: Yeah, that's one uh, thing that makes my job a little interesting, just because because Oklahoma is so diverse, which is part of the reason I started this podcast. Mm-hmm. Because you know, I think a lot of people, even within Oklahoma, don't always realize how diverse it is. Um, and, oh you yeah, know, one side of the state like, we got black bears, and the other side we got antelope and elk, and so which I, I yeah. guess now there's yep. elk on both sides. But
1: uh. I do believe that Oklahoma has one of the most biodiverse areas in the country mm-hmm. I, I believe i heard an oklahoma biologist say that not too long ago because we have mule deer antelope whitetail uh, black bear um shoot elk elk yeah there you go um mm-hmm. uh, so there i don't know if there's any more places in the country that just has a mm-hmm. diversity like that yep and where uh, out the west and be in the flatland, you know, be out there just the wide open vastness of what people think Oklahoma is. Mm-hmm. Or I can drive a little bit further southeast and be in river bottoms, and mm-hmm. I can drive north and just be mountains. So right here, it's just a, a neat little spot. Yep,
0: I even uh, I had a guy on a few months ago uh, who was talking about Oklahoma alligators, and <laughs> that was incredibly mm-hmm. interesting. So.
1: Uh, yeah, so uh, down here in, uh around Little River actually uh, mm-hmm. had more, more and more alligators popping up. Mm-hmm. And it's a crazy thing. Yep, yep. And like like I said, black bears taking off. Our our black bear season is, I believe, has gotten to be uh, unlimited now until mm-hmm. you know season end. We used to have that quota on them. Yep, I, I think and it's I'll be uh, going after one of them this year. Yeah,
0: I think it's unlimited for archery. I think there's still a quota for muzzleloader, but the, I might be wrong on that. Okay, um, yeah. But yeah, I've, I, my brother and I were on a lease, probably not too far from where you're at, uh, a couple years ago, and we're chasing black bears. And uh, we had we had some coming into our bait sites, but when the uh, when the acorns started dropping, that pretty much did us in. Which uh, I'm sure part of that yeah. is on purpose. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm still trying to get a black bear for
1: sure. Yeah, so this is gonna be my first year actively going after one. Mm-hmm. I'm not I've seen them before and just kind of piddled around. but I've never gotten a tag. And this year I'm going to try to do the same. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome.
0: Sweet, man. Um, so I'll, I thought of this funny story when you were talking about there, and I'm just going to throw it in here real quick. Very random, odd story. But uh, uh, so we did a, a controlled burn over this last weekend, and uh, we kind of mm-hmm. did it back in our thick area where I hunt, and uh, we ended up burning over 50 acres. It was like 50 to 55 acres. And uh, once we kind of got it to where we were finishing up, kind of mopping up, I was like, I was just looking for antlers. I was like, I know we burned all this, and there's got to be sheds everywhere. And, and yeah, I was just picturing this mm-hmm. this massive set of antlers and stuff. And uh, after driving <laughs> around pretty much the entire thing, right towards the end. I finally see a little antler tip sticking up and I walk over and pick up the smallest little match set of antler, you know, yearling buck <laughs> set ever. And, uh, I would, I would have paid anything to have had a professional photographer there to get one of those, you know, yeah. everything black all the way around me and me kneeling down, like looking all serious at these <laughs> tiny little antlers. <laughs> so,
1: but, uh, hey, yeah. Awesome, so, yeah. I, I think I find more. A little bit of... that's... That's when you need a dog, man, I know. they'll be able to go through that barn like that. Mm-hmm. And it can be, a shed dog can be any type of dog, like mm-hmm. bird dogs and labs, they're a very trainable dogs. Mm-hmm. But if you find me a dog that uh, it just has some natural retrieve to it, mm-hmm. I could turn it into a shed dog pretty easy. It's, it's not that hard. It's just repetition, repetition, mm-hmm. making it easy for them and, you know um uh, heck i've seen people using uh blue healers doing it before <laughs> any any dog can make it and if it's not even um if they're not a natural retriever you can turn it into a retriever you know with a force fetch program okay. kind of hard but uh that's doable yeah and i'm pl- talking about a burn though i'm fixing to uh i got some i'm on 50 acres myself mm-hmm. and uh i'm fixing to burn almost 18 acres of woods back behind me Mm -hmm. uh talked to the forester unit today and get kind of getting a game plan they're gonna come out i'm I'm pretty excited about that Mm -hmm.
0: yeah we've been wanting to burn ours for years we've well i mean i say years Mm -hmm. We've, we've had this place for uh i think about six years now five six years um And uh, we tried about three years ago to do one, and I think we were a little early. We we just couldn't get it to burn. We had cut a big fire line and everything and just didn't have very Mm -hmm. much success. And then we we had the opposite problem this last weekend. You know, one county to the west of us had a burn ban. We were still clear um but we started we started lighting this one and it took off way faster than we were expecting and so luckily you know we were able to control it and everything but i was i was crossing my fingers we were gonna get you know 10 to 15 acres burned and we ended up getting about 50 um so that's pretty awesome yeah so no complaints here on that you done
1: all that yourself
0: yep so uh (laughs) i was actually back in college i went to college in idaho And one summer up Mm -hmm. there, I was a wildland firefighter. And so, uh, I I joke with people though. It makes me, I think more weary about doing controlled burns than not because like, I know what can go wrong. Uh (laughs) Like I know enough to be dangerous, but not enough to really know what I'm doing. Um, but luckily we got an old, uh, we got an old 1970s dozer and so we can make a pretty good fire break with that thing, um, and do it pretty safely. Um, so yeah, we were pretty, I'm I'm pretty
1: nervous about it myself. I know a lot can go wrong in one. So yep. I was talking to the forestry service and, you know, for where I'm at, um, they talk about the, uh I don't know, the dangers of mm-hmm. the fire, you know, and the, if it's a low risk or high risk kind of affects the price, but I mm-hmm. think I'm just going to have them come out here yeah. and do it, th- do it themselves. That mm-hmm. way I don't have to worry about it. Yep. And it's going to be guaranteed not to get out of hand. And yep. I think for me, it's going to be like 15 bucks an acre. Mm-hmm. So it's
2: pretty yeah.
1: awesome. But yeah. it's, I've been ma- trying to manage this land back behind me. Mm-hmm. I, had, I read an article several years ago. Uh, I can't. I can probably find it if I need to. But uh, about m- maintaining the bedding areas. If you didn't have like a huge farm mm-hmm. or lease, like some of these folks do, how you can just t- take five acres and you'll just strictly manage the bedding mm-hmm. in it and. Something's going to come out of it. You know, it's going yep. to take time, but the deer are finally going to start using it. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I started doing with my place. And the past three years, I've been able to take a mature buck off of it every year. But now wow. it's just kind of, and the deer just been pouring into it. Mm-hmm. But now it's just getting to the point where it's almost unhuntable. It's gotten mm-hmm. to be so thick. Yeah. And I don't really, really just have a couple of spots I can... a vicious cycle going up and down if i can hunt it and i can't you know Mm -hmm. it's just going to get to a point where you know right after this burn it's not going to be very well until everything Mm -hmm. starts greening up yeah and some of the bedding is going to be knocked out but Mm -hmm. it'll come back i
0: think it's going to come right i think you're going to be pleasantly surprised with it coming right back so uh yeah yeah, i mean three mature bucks on 50 acres uh, that's a pretty good streak
1: yeah, I, mm-hmm. I'm pretty tickled with it. Man, I, mean, I really like it. Mm-hmm. Um, did you pick out different spots that you wanted to keep from being burned? Like some, I don't know, they just kind of had held some natural cover for them for bedding area. Oh,
0: uh, yes and no. So uh, this the place we were burning. It's about 170 acres total, um, uh-huh. and so I think eventually I'd like to burn just about all of it. Um, but I. I guess I'd like to get on a on a rotation and so I I'm breaking it up into about three parts. And so we burnt kind of the northwest corner, which I think is the part that needed it the worst. Um and so cut a line around it. And but I'm I also kind of did that as kind of like a little test deal. You know, it's it's a a big enough mm. property to where let's say that fire does for whatever reason negatively affect it this year, I still got some other areas I can hunt that you know it didn't affect. Um I think You know, with everything I've read and researched and listened to over the years, you know, I think if anything, that area is going to be the hot spot for deer. You know, it's Mm -hmm. got some, it's got some, a ridge on the north side and a pretty brushy, nasty draw on the south side, two big hills. Um, and it's, it's, it's one of the best natural deer movement places that I've ever seen. I don't have a feeder there or anything this year. I did put a little, yeah. a little bit of a, a, food plot in the middle cause it, this nice little s- saddle. Um, and it, it wasn't really there to attract deer it was more to make them stop, you know, give me an opportunity to shoot them. Mm-hmm. And it, it worked out beautifully this year. Um, but, um, I'm basically, I burnt that North Ridge and that South draw, to try to increase the bedding areas, uh, or, you know, benefit the bedding areas, uh, just to make it even that much better. Um, but like I said, you know, I wasn't too afraid of messing it up because worst case scenario, you know, a year or two, it'll be back to the way it was, um, or, you know, thicker. Um, so yeah, it's kind of, it's a risk I was willing to take, but it sounds like, especially in your area where you're in a, you know, a little more treed area, uh, I think it's going to pay off big time for you.
1: Yeah, I hope so, man. I I love just trying to figure this stuff out mm-hmm. and just do a little bit more and just always piddling with something to make it a little bit better. Because I win, they win. Mm-hmm. You know, they got better habitat, I have better hunting, so they're just it's just no lose situation. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I I think you're doing it right. You know, if you're not comfortable burning it yourself, get somebody out there who knows what they're doing. Yeah, and you know, learn from them. Be out there, learn from them. And, you know, another benefit to it, you know, if they go out there and and do the fire break and the line and everything, you know, that's, you're going to know where it's at. It's going to be easy to do next time. If you did feel more comfortable doing it yourself, you know, you and maybe a buddy or two. Uh, So, yeah, I think you made a good call there.
1: You know, and even getting in touch with them, whether I use them or not, you know, for free, the state forestry office, they'll develop a uh, fire plan Mm -hmm. for you. You know, they'll tell you the, the conditions you know, it's best for the burn, mm-hmm. you know, what, where to start of that and kind of how to work it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a pretty cool thing for anybody, mm-hmm. uh, with that mindset of wanting to do something like this. It's pretty, it's just using the tools at hand, you know, exactly. making the phone calls. It's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, uh,
0: that's definitely something I'd encourage anybody, you know, in the state, you know, their state resources, uh, the Noble Foundation is another good one. We've had them out to our, uh, two of our properties, um, and yeah, that's another great resource. And a lot of it, yeah, like you said, is, is free. So, um, yeah, Mm -hmm. no reason to not take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, well, cool, man. Well, you, uh, you talked earlier about, uh, you know, your photography and stuff. Is that something like, are you a photographer for hire? Do you just kind of do it for yourself? Uh, what's up with the, the camera stuff?
1: Man, I I just started taking pictures of uh going off of my bird hunts and mm-hmm. I, I got kind of limited on my camera ability, which I started off using a phone. Mm-hmm. You know, not knocking these newer iPhones for sure, they're phenomenal. But uh I I stepped up, I got me a real nice mirrorless camera and I'm just I'm the guy that's always toting it nowadays. Mm-hmm. I got always carry it with me people just about. Uh I just it's gotten to be something that I just really, really enjoy. Like really trying to find a shot that would uh, would attract you to just really attract, attract eyes on, just kind of different focal points to it, and just different aspects to bring it out. I, I haven't done anything for hire. I know I've talked to some guys about just going off on a hunt with them, mm-hmm. uh, and just taking pictures. Because mainly, I think I just want to go and do it. I've been I've talked to some guys out in Utah about going on a mountain line hunt. Mm-hmm. Uh just be being there to be the photographer and video or mm-hmm. it's something I enjoy. Um mm-hmm. uh, and you know mm-hmm. one thing. I wouldn't be too mad about that.
0: Uh you cut out there just really for a second. Just,
1: what was that last fun. part? Oh I think uh it's just something that I really enjoy and if it blossom into something, you know I wouldn't be too mad about it. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah well i was taking notes now that i got your number if i shoot a big old buck this year i might be calling you because i'm not too far away from you so there you go. i'll give you some gas money you to come go. take some pictures for me so i
1: uh i'll, I'll do that for sure you know it's, it's got to be a lot of fun mm-hmm. uh and like i talked about earlier uh just making it attractive to everybody or not necessarily attractive but just making it in a way uh, that they can understand it mm-hmm. you know one of my biggest pet peeves in being an outdoorsman, is after I kill a mature deer or a doe or an antelope or a bird, anything, like, you see uh, a lot of more famous hunters. Uh, they look like they're fixing to cry, mm-hmm. holding that deer, you know, or just real <laughs> sympathetic for it. That's, to me, that's, that's that's not that's not real. Like mm-hmm. it's just, it's way too staged. Mm-hmm. There's a way to do it and be honorable about it. Because mm-hmm. you don't you don't give honor by crying over it because you're you're sad you killed it. No, I'm I'm proud I killed this mm-hmm. thing, but you honor it by how you handle it from there on. You you honor it by being a steward of the land and not doing your part for the environment and the habitat around it. Mm-hmm. You take out a mature deer and you try to do it as ethically as possible, mm-hmm. and then you try to you get all that story into one picture. You know. Mm-hmm. makes a lot of fun
0: yep and that's something i've tried to make myself be better about is uh just taking more pictures you know i i bought a a decent camera i hardly ever carry it i need to get better about it i'm an iphone guy right now but uh when i was Mm -hmm. uh i think i was 19 uh i was hunting on my grandpa's place before they sold it and my great uncle was there he was somewhat of my hunting mentor and i i got super lucky, you know, one morning and shot a a really nice, uh, ended up being 157 inch deer. And, uh, and I basically have one picture of that deer because I was so excited, you know, I was all excited and I had my great uncle there to take some pictures and stuff. Uh, I I guess I probably had like an iPhone three or something, you know, one, like an original one, like it was a decent camera phone, but nothing crazy. Uh, but I just like, Mm -hmm. I, I don't, like I have very few things to remember that hunt by one of my biggest deer and so this year i i made it a point you know especially for the podcast and stuff but uh i mean i took the time i'd spend 30 to 45 minutes out there by myself with the self timer on you know i'd hit the button run up there and get behind the deer and then run back and check it and (laughs) so i I have you know 10 or 15 pictures by myself
1: but i'm I'm still in the same boat i do the same thing and Mm -hmm. i can't to begin to describe how difficult it's it is to do that, and yep. to do it with dogs.
0: Uh-huh. Like you're oh, trying yeah. to get a
1: shot, get your dogs in the background, holding the bird. Yep. Man, if there was a plow on the wall or somebody up on the hill watching <laughs> me, they'd see me sit my dogs down. and I'm running back and forth uh-huh. to the camera, getting into yep. pictures. And
0: yep. There's
1: a there's a lot of bloopers in there. Uh
0: huh.
1: Yep. I hunt out west every year with some buddies, and they uh they give me a hard time because I'm always toting that camera, taking pictures mm. of everything.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh But you know. It's stuff to look back on mm-hmm. that the moment that you pull the trigger on a, well, whatever it might be, you know, big deer, little deer, buck or doe. Uh, that's just a small fraction of what went on on your, on your adventure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that, yes, it's the, it's the climax. It's the most exciting part for sure. And it's the reason you go out there, but there's just so much more leading up to it mm-hmm. and just so much more creating that moment. Yeah, that you you could miss out on if you don't document it somehow. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So I've been trying to get better about it. I've been trying to get better about bringing my video camera too. Uh It's just, mm-hmm. man, when you, you know, I hunt quite a bit come deer season and taking that camera with me every time and setting it up every time and taking it down every time it it wears on you. So, of course, I didn't get any of my bucks this year on film, but uh, but that's something I'm definitely trying to be better, better at.
1: So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's tough. Doing anything by yourself is tough. Self filming is difficult. I about all but giving it up at times. Mm-hmm. Like I'll take it out there and I try it, but at the end of the day, I'm I'm out there to kill something. Mm-hmm. Like I'm out there to hunt. You know, I'll get pictures of it after.
0: hmm Yeah, I think it was. I've told this story before, <laughs> but I think it was 2018. I was bound and determined that I was going to kill a buck on film that year. And I carried mm-hmm. my camera with me every single time, you know, hunting mostly tree stands. So I'd have my camera armed too and set it all up, take it down. And I finally, I think it was like November 28th or something, finally had this pretty nice eight point come in, had him centered up, got the shot and, you know, got my celebration and everything. And then I, uh, I went back to the house before I went look looked for the buck and got my better microphone and put it on the camera and uh well while i was walking through the woods on the blood trail i guess a limb or something got caught in the cord and pulled the headphone jack about halfway out and so oh, no. but i you know i didn't realize it and so i found the buck yeah. i set my tripod up i did my whole interview and everything and blah 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 blah, blah. and uh and then of course you know got to set gutting the buck cut him all up and everything and then that evening i went back to the house and was watching all my footage And, you know, realize what had happened and, you know, all the audio was shot, which basically meant all the video was shot because, you know, there's no reason to have the video without audio and it i mean it just completely yeah. took the wind out of my sails on self-filming and 20 that was 2018 2019 i think i took the camera with me like one time i was like man this is for the birds and so yeah. so i'm trying to get myself back <laughs> into it i i took the camera with me several times this year but of course that's when i didn't kill anything so um i'm, yeah. I'm, I'm slowly <laughs> yep yeah, so i'm slowly trying
1: to get back into it but uh, yeah uh, well, cool, man. Uh, man, you know, and I don't. I try not to stop on just the, the camera. I mm-hmm. do a lot of writing too. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm constantly taking notes. And I mean, yeah. I I got an eight year old little boy, and I think it'd be pretty cool for him. Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm old and gray, he can stumble upon my little hunting notebook and mm-hmm. read about what I done and why I done it, the situation, and whether it worked or failed. and mm-hmm. Maybe he can take something out of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's, so I do
1: a lot of writing. Something,
0: that's something I've been trying to get better at, too. I usually keep a note on my phone of, you know, how many sits I do and what I see, but um, mm-hmm. I definitely don't do a journal, which is something I would love to do. So, same reason. So, mm-hmm. have you done any, like, writing for magazines or anything like that, or is it more just personal stuff?
1: I do. Uh, well, I have my own website. <clears throat> I've had some of my articles on there, but I do a lot of writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, it's with DU Hunting Supply. Mm -hmm. Uh, they're out east Uh, they're big into um, mountain lion hunting and bear hunting with hounds and also like coon hunting Uh Uh, and they're kind of transitioning getting into more of the bird dog world so I'm kind of facilitating that but here I am with my dogs I do a little bit of everything like I said Mm -hmm. you know shed hunting blood trailing and bird hunting Uh, so I do some writing for them Um, I mean that's about about the gist of it besides Mm -hmm. myself Mm Mhm.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Man, I I don't know why you're jogging my memory with all these other stories. I I had a a little horror story from writing to you. I I had a buddy from high school who worked for a a magazine company that was trying to break into the outdoor world, and he reached out to me about writing some articles for him. And so I I wrote one, and it got published, but uh, I guess because I was under his authority or name or whatever, his name was the one at the top, and then at the very bottom, in real mm. small letters, it said "submitted by John Hutsmith." And I, but I didn't say anything, and then I wrote a second yeah. one for him, and I, I had sent him the uh, the rough, um, and then he, you know, sent me back what I need to change or whatever. Well, in that time, I actually had my laptop in my buddy's <laughs> car, and his car got stolen. And so I lost my computer, oh, hey. and uh, and so I just, you know, sent him a text, like, hey, you know, just make the changes yourself or whatever and roll with it, And uh, which he did. But that time, my name was not at the bottom in small letters or at the top, and I also didn't get a check in the mail. And so I was like, well, if that's oh, how this hey. is going to go, I'm done with this. Yeah. And so so I like to say I'm a writer, but I, really, I I've actually only had about two articles published, so
1: yeah i you know well i don't have very much very many published but mm-hmm. uh is that something else i i really enjoy and i think i might even enjoy it a little bit more than the photography end of it mm-hmm. um and getting in touch with these the, the you guys there's a lot of us that are contributing to their articles they was really wanting some written form they reached out and kind of reached out to me personally wanting me to be a part of it and i thought that was really cool so Mm-hmm. but it, you know it's tough sitting down and finding something to write about all the time mm-hmm. but yeah. uh, and especially for me you know i had to almost formally apologized to them because uh during the hunting season i'm singular <laughs> focused i'm not i'm not uh-huh. worried about writing anything but mm-hmm. uh, i just i really i really enjoy that it's a lot of fun
0: good very good that's awesome uh well don't don't let me forget at the end I'm, i want to make sure you get a chance to shout out your website and everything but uh yeah. i think real quick i just i i saw that you killed a really nice buck this last year and i want to get into that story before we get out of here so uh why don't you walk yeah. us through that hunt with your with your big buck
1: man i had, uh that's i killed that sucker just right here on my property mm-hmm. uh i knew there's a lot of a lot of folks around here that had been seeing them i had been seeing them just not on my place uh i had, like i've talked about managing these bedding areas uh I have some big swaths of public land around me that are', that are leases um and I, but all around, I just kind of had the only little bedding area that's close to food and water and, like there's those are just piling in
2: mm-hmm.
1: it was uh in, in in rifle season, so uh I was actually leaving for work one morning. And I'm, I'm pulling out of my driveway, and I had just had the electrical company clear a right away with one of those mm-hmm. big mulching machines mm-hmm. on a skid steer. Mm-hmm. I look down the lane, and then out stepped a doe. I uh, was so, "Okay, you know, it's probably a buck behind her." and out stepped this buck, and I'm looking at him like, "You know, that—that's him." <laughs> you know, I had not saw, had not laid eyes on him on my property at all. Mm-hmm. I had just seen him around. I had been finding some really big rubs. Uh, got just went on into work. I should like, I should have just stayed there and I was just <laughs> thinking about it the whole way. Mm-hmm. Just sick. That's all I could think about. I knew was going in there into my bedding area. I knew exactly how to set up on them. Uh, and they're probably gonna be there till midday. I'll get up, move around a little bit. I get to work and I walk up to my boss. Like, I'm uh, I'm an electrician at a paper mill right now. Mm-hmm. So I walk up and I, I told, told him, I said, you know, if everything's running good, I, I probably need to go home. I said, Branson, is everything okay? You know what's going on? What something going on? I, yes, man, there's a big buck <laughs> in my house right now, and if everything is good, it's like I, I need to go home. Uh-huh. And they they kind of laughed it off a little bit. Uh, I I had to get some stuff done, and I walked back. I really need to go. It's kind of getting to the point, like, I'm not asking anymore. I'm telling mm-hmm. you, like, I'm just fixing to go. Well, um, he let me leave about dinner, and I was able to get my butt home and get all my gear on. And I get out there and I get set up, uh, and I just know, like, I know without a shadow of a doubt where they're going to come out at. You know, just, I've got too much experience right here in my backyard, and uh, I set up out stepped the doe, and then I could see him coming through the trees. And, you know, he he got to a point, point. I have a rifle in my hand, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sitting up with it, and, uh you know, got set up with my rifle, and uh that dude, it seemed like he just knew I was there or something, but that doe just kept on getting a little bit further and further. He just couldn't stand it anymore. He stepped out about 80 yards, and I, I smoked him with my rifle. He dropped in his tracks, uh, got up there to him, Biggest buck I ever killed. He's a he's a main nine point. He had a what was it? Almost a twenty four inch spread. He scored mm. like one hundred and sixty two inches. Mm. Uh, got into the taxidermist. He, they they pulled his jaw and they guessed him to be eight and a half years old. I mm. was uh, just floored by it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that is a huge nine
1: point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was I was stoked. I was pretty pumped about it. <laughs> I'm really eager to get that joker back too. I've been anxiously waiting.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Man, that's cool. I, I like what you said about how you got kind of the only thick stuff around. Uh, you know, I think that's something you yeah. always hear people asking, you know, what should I do to my property? You know, should I plant this or do that? And I mm-hmm. you know, I always tell people like you gotta look at what's around you, especially, you know, a fifty acre place like that um you know in the midwest where everything's food you probably don't need food to get bucks on your property you probably need some cover right and um, you know yep. like you're saying if everything's bearing around you there's no thick stuff it's all clear cuts you probably need some thick cover so i think you're on yep. the right track for sure
1: uh it feel, makes me feel like i'm doing something right you know like i said i've gotten three the past three years right off here so uh and i'm still like i mainly hunt public land but besides me when the going gets when it gets good right here during the rut, you know I'm gonna come in and check it out for sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's with the clear cuts around and the acorns around, when it comes to a food plot uh, down here, it only gets cold enough for them to start hitting that food plot after rifle season's already over. And mm-hmm. by that time, like I'm a I, I bow hunt also, like I bow hunt all the way through it muzzleload hunt too, but. Yeah after rifle season i'm pretty spent i've been hunting hard and i need to get out there and work these bird dogs too that's what mm-hmm. i feed them all year long for yeah um so, man, so i think maintaining that bedding is just what what's doing it because i can't compete with everything mm-hmm. like like you said out that's out west mm-hmm.
0: yeah gotcha that's awesome man let's like I said sounds like you're off to a heck of a start so yeah,
1: I feel like I'm trying to do something right between it and killing coons to help out turkeys around here and everything else. Like I like I said, I got a lot of irons in the fire.
0: Yeah, yeah. Do you have? Um, I mean, do you have any kind of food? Do you run a feeder or anything like that? No. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Well, that's awesome, man. That's uh yeah. I love it. I love it.
1: All oh, right. man, I'm, I'm, I'm made up with it.
0: <laughs> uh, Man, I, I really want to jump into bird hunting, too, but we're starting to kind of come... Ah, you know what? Forget it. We got time. Why don't you tell us a little bit about <laughs> your bird hunting stuff?
1: Yeah, so, you know, uh, down here in southeast Oklahoma, <clears throat> uh, it's not... Oklahoma is a well-known place for quail hunting, but just mm-hmm. not Southeast Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of it's going to be out west. I like to get out there in the um, was it Sandy Sanders and areas like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, down here, just awesome. And I've grown up. My grandpa was a big-time dog trainer, and back back in the day, uh, you know, it wasn't nothing for him to go out and get a lend of the birds in just a couple of hours.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you know, I think I've hunted all season long and i might i i don't think i even killed a limit Mm. but um i I go up there and i find them and man you know it's a lot of fun it's working these bird dogs there's just nothing like it you know Mm -hmm. there's a there's a top there's hunting and then there's hunting with a dog and it's just completely different and it just opens it up it just makes it so much more there's just so much more to it you know because you're training that dog up but uh you know Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of he- here, so I do a lot of traveling.
2: Um, mm-hmm.
1: I typically go to South Dakota and hunt pheasants. I hunt. I try to go out to Western Oklahoma when I can. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been to Kansas, Nebraska. You know, I go all over the place working these bird dogs. Mm-hmm. But the bet to me, even though I know I'm not going to kill the most, the best bird quail hunting is out here in Oklahoma. There, mm-hmm. it's it's hard. You know, it's mm-hmm. thick. There's, it's through a lot of timber. Mm-hmm. But the bird numbers are really they're really starting to come up, I think the most i've done this year I moved uh five coveys, I believe in one day mm-hmm. you know to a lot of guys I aint to be nothing, but i'm man, I'm proud of that for right here in our area uh-huh. uh, there's nothing quite like a covey rise <laughs> right there in a clear cut or in a, some thick timber
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and like I said, you know. The birds, bird numbers keep getting better and keep getting better. Who knows? It might even be like it was back when my grandpa and my dad was hunting. Mm-hmm. And they, would, they would be pretty awesome.
0: Yep. Yeah. Man, we've seen, I've seen one quail on my brother's driveway where I hunt now. And then I saw mm-hmm. one small covey probably four years ago. And my brother's seen one covey. So, I mean, they're definitely not there in huntable numbers. But, you know, every once in a while yeah. you see a little glimpse of them. <laughs> And, uh, I'm hoping with some of the stuff we're doing, we might get those numbers up. Uh, yeah, we're, we're short on quail and we're also short on turkey, uh, at
1: that place. Um, we know, uh, I think (laughs) you might need a a friend like myself to come out there and start coon hunting because what I'm reading, (laughs) the coons are what's, what's hurting our quail. Mm -hmm. I think quail and turkeys both are just very relatable. They're just Mm kind of go hand in hand Mm -hmm. because, you know, they're both ground nesting birds, Mm -hmm. uh, and coons and possums. Mm-hmm. They're you know those meso predators are the ones that are supposedly really hurting our population. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, and I uh, down here, I don't do very much killing myself, just because mm-hmm. there's. I, I to me, I still feel like there's not enough for me to kill. But yeah, you know, if I if I move three or four coveys, yeah, I'll kill one out of that. Mm-hmm. And you know, like I so said, I killed. I well heck, out of the whole season, which starts starts right after rifle season, and it ends uh, in the middle of February. Mm-hmm. I might have killed eight eight or ten birds.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and a, a daily limit is 20, I believe. Mm-hmm. So if that gives you any idea just how <laughs> how bad it is, but yeah. it is getting better. They're, yeah. I think there's are doing a lot of good things. Um, mm-hmm. Quail Forever, you know, they're doing a lot of good things around here. Mm-hmm. I think they're as well out west.
0: Yeah. It seems like a lot more people are kind of becoming aware of, you know, the struggling numbers and doing more to help them. Uh, I've done a little mm-hmm. quail hunting. Uh, the guy, one of my good buddies, um, he's got a place out in the panhandle of Texas. It's, we're actually headed there next weekend to do some turkey hunting. Uh, but uh, when mm-hmm. we were in high school, they were just overrun with quail. And we didn't have dogs. We'd just get out there and, you know, go walking and, you know, kill five mm-hmm. or ten apiece. 10 a and, uh, <laughs> quail hunting with no dogs is about the scariest thing you can do because you're just walking <laughs> along and out of nowhere, you know, they bust right in front of your feet and, uh, it takes two or three cubbies before you're, you know, eventually you get the reaction when you hear that noise to get mm-hmm. your gun up. But those first, you know, that first cubby or two, they're long gone by the time you get your wits about oh, you and yeah. realize you need
1: to shoot. I'll tell you, like, I'm, I'm very confident in my woodsman skills, but it all goes to the wayside. Whenever I'm slipping in, uh, to my deer stand mm-hmm. and I bust a covey of quail, man, it, <laughs> it gets me every time I'll, uh-huh. I'll never not get that rush from it.
0: Uh-huh. Gotcha. 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 Well, cool, man. Well, I think we're coming up here on time, but like I said, I want to make sure I give you a chance to, to shout out all your stuff. So where can people find you on Instagram and online and everywhere else you got?
1: Yeah. Uh, look me up on, uh, Instagram. I'm, I'm most active on there. Uh, three rivers outdoors. Okay. Uh, my name is Branson Shelton. Uh, I think they can look me up on that too. I have a website, which is also three rivers outdoors. Okay. But, um, uh, most of my stuff is going to now be with DU hunting supply and they're real active on Instagram. Also, um, i got several articles with them where I'm contributor there. Um, uh, you know, just mainly I write stories about or articles for about training hunt, hunting adventures, uh, and every now and then I'll be some articles about deer hunting or and coon hunting. Uh, I have a lot of pictures on my Instagram, a lot of dog work, and a lot of archery, and you know, just out here having fun with it. But uh, that's where main main two places to find me on is going to be the Instagram and DU Hunt Supply. Perfect, perfect.
0: All righty. Well, Branson, I've really enjoyed this. We kind of went all over the place, but I I had a feeling that's where we were going to go. So no complaining here, and I really appreciate you coming on.
1: Yeah, man, I enjoyed it.
0: Awesome. Well, you have a good one, and we'll talk to you next time.
1: I appreciate it, man.
0: And just like that, another episode in the books. Thank you, Branson, for coming on and sharing your passion of the outdoors. I hope this inspires somebody out there to get out there outside sometime coming up soon. Uh, Man, it's springtime, guys. The weather's getting beautiful, even though we've had some crazy storms. In between the storms, it's beautiful. Man, get out there, do some fishing, do some hunting of some kind, At the very least, get out there, shoot your bow, shoot your gun, shoot shoot your muzzleloader, slingshot, trad bow, whatever you got. Get out there and shoot it. Just enjoy this great creation that God has given us. So That's going to do it for this week. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. I'm so excited that I just get to come here and talk to you guys every week. So the, The show is continuing to grow. Again, that's because of you guys, so continue to share it. Hit me up on Facebook, Instagram, email, whatever you got. And until next week, I will talk to you guys right back here on the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast.